You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Raj. Hello and welcome to the Common Book Informer Podcast. This is Roger in the driver's seat for this week and sitting shotgun is Vince. How are you doing, my buddy? I've got that shotgun pointed right at you, ready to pull the trigger if you go off trail. I'm not going to, nor am I going to discuss what it is that I'm drinking, unlike many other podcasts. We've actually got a fairly full show this week discussing um, three different titles for, for the majority of the show, and then we'll touch on uh, what's new releases and, and, if we have time, what we've been reading as well. But before we get into that, it was free comic book day on Saturday. I went out with my youngest. We had a blast. I don't know if you had um, like your local comic book shop that you went to and if they were doing all kinds of stuff for it. Oh, yeah. Uh, tons of stuff, but I, I wasn't actually able to spend much time there. I had other stuff I had to take care of. Uh, dude, we had a blast. We went to the uh, the regular comic book shop that we tend to go to, which, little plug here, which I'm not getting paid for, if you guys live in Ottawa, go to Silver Snail on Bank Street and uh, tell Ken that Roger from Comic Book Informer sent you. He's not going to know who I am, but I do put some stuff on reserve. He may actually know. And uh, he's great. And he had them all lined up. And it was uh, my son and I actually made it. He opened the doors for us early because we got there early. <laughs> it was like, it we're going to world. <laughs> yeah, it was. And th- there was another dude there, but he sat down. So I was like, dude, you missed out. But uh, I told my youngest we'd be there early just so that, you know, if a lot of people show up and sure enough, I mean, we walked in and people were pouring in behind us and grabbing stuff. And I already had some stuff on reserve. I gave my son a, a 10 spot and said, here, go buy whatever you'd like in addition. Um, because again, I, I like that comic shop. He's, he's fantastic. He's really nice. And so I don't mind uh, going out of the way kind of to, to buy extra stuff, which I did in addition to the ones I put aside, I bought some more as well. So it, it was, <laughs> we walked out, dude. And I actually, I took some free comic books for my eldest daughter as well who reads so i had we had three stacks of all the freebies we walk out we had two bags it was like 50 pounds of comic books it was awesome my son had a smile on his face for the rest of the day saying so many comics and then there were some that he had not gotten so we went um, we went up the street to another comic book shop in town, which is equally good. We, we like those guys as well, but we don't tend to go too often. We stick with the our regular guys. But uh, so we, we go in there and dude, that one, I don't know if it's just because by then it was a couple of hours later. So, you know, all the comic book freaks had actually finished with their cosplay stuff and gotten their costumes ready because we walk in there and it was wall to wall people it was full 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 and then there were like a ton of people in costumes all over the place too it was it was hilarious some of them not so good with the looking but i mean the the (laughs) effort a for effort (laughs) so because there were some people dressed up in the silver snail the smaller shop too that we went into and like there was a couple of kids and it was a little wolverine a little spider-man and i'm talking to to ken the counter and i'd seen him and i said now that's just awesome and then in walks this chick dressed like um who's the not Catwoman? is it cat no not Catwoman. the one spider-man's the chick with the the Black Black cat. Yeah. So a chick walks in dressed like that. And she could pull the costume off. (laughs) (laughs) And it was kind of a lot of open chest area there. And she walks by and and like I'm averting my eyes and I'm looking at him and I said, equally awesome, but for entirely different reasons. (laughs) And he starts laughing and agreeing with me. But the other shop was full of everybody. It was just it was it was fun. It was, you know, you're you're in with like minded people. Well, I'm I'm not dressing up, but other than that, like minded people, everybody was having underwear on. Well, they were well hidden, though. I, uh, so, so, anyways, it was a good day. We um, we picked up all of the free comic books. We managed to score the few that we were missing, and I read through some of them, though not all of them. My son ripped through a whole whack load of them, and I haven't talked to my my daughter yet to see how many she read. But the ones that I read were freaking good. They were awesome, and the one with the dark crystal and mouse guard and a little bit of dapper man in the middle was freaking awesome. I loved it. Did you get a chance to read through any of the freebies? See, like I said, uh, I had plans for Saturday that fell through because of a, a 
illness I had to deal with. So basically, I just managed to swing by my shop for a few minutes. I picked up the free Spider-Man issue, which was freaking great. And uh, I got my Taskmaster trade on because they had a nice half off trade sale for the free comic book day. So I picked that up and that Spider-Man issue was great. I quickly looked through the other stuff they had. Nothing really jumped out at me, but I I was on a time frame, so I, I could not spend as much time as I would have liked to. Right. Well, I enjoyed it. And I did pick up, I picked up, uh, I, I got him to order the Taskmaster so that I will get it. And then I um, I picked up the a variant of Moon Knight. Don't even tell me if it's bad. I haven't read it. Your comment was bad enough that you tweeted about saying whatever. So I it actually, bad. I actually picked up two of the, the variant covers just because they were both awesome. I had to, it's like, he put one aside, the one with the Wolverine and he says, I figured you'd like this one. And then he had the other two behind him, one with uh, Captain America and then the other one with, with Spider-Man. And the one with Spider-Man was like calling my name. It was like Spidey <laughs> wanted to be my buddy <laughs> and was going like, Oh, I'll take that one too. And, uh, and so, yeah. So I, and, and my son picked up the regular one for himself with the money that I'd given him. And I told him, I said, you can buy a variant if you want. It's even kind of cooler and he said no i really like the the original cover which is justifiably that's pretty cool awesome so yeah the the artwork on that was just fantastic so let's move into what we're going to be talking about a couple of the titles are going to be game related which is kind of cool because we're both gamers as well we're going to talk about the newest mass effect four-part miniseries called evolution we both obviously love the games as well so i'm i'm interested what your take is on this and then we're going to talk about the world of warcraft curse of the worgen five part series which no spoiler dude i loved it i thought it was awesome <laughs> we i was considering making this just an entire game tie-in issue by tossing in some dcu online but with psn being a punk <sighs> and yes I'll, t- I'll i'll bleep that out I don't want to talk about it. I haven't been reading them to get caught up. It's just, (laughs) it's upsetting me that I can't play my DC Universe online or anything else for that matter. So I'm just, ah, we're not talking about that. So in lieu of that, we're going to cover a series that you are very interested in. And that is, of course, Uncanny X-Force. I've I've been enjoying it too, though justifiably not as much as you because you've been fawning all over it. But we're saving that for last. So let's tackle Mass Effect evolution which okay let's just talk first of all about what the story is you want to tackle this um the story flashes back to uh the end of the war between the turians and earth uh, when earth first entered the whole galactic uh group of planets and whatnot when they when they first went outside of earth space and basically got punk slapped by the group of turians and it follows the character i don't even remember his real name i just know him as the elusive man the uh Jack. The character from Mass Effect. Yeah, Jack something. And it talks about how he interacted with one of the uh, Prothean artifacts. A really cool story about him with the Turians and their struggle for power over this immensely powerful artifact. And a lot of the political stuff in it, too. Like, I really enjoyed this as a comic. I thought as a comic it was a great story. Just going in, I was expecting a little bit more of the elusive man. Like, honestly, I felt this did a better job of establishing the backstory of the Turians and Saren than it did of the elusive man himself. I'm not saying it was bad. I really enjoyed it, but there really wasn't as much character development there as I would have liked personally. Really? Yeah. Okay. I find that a little surprising because I kind of feel the opposite. I see when I um, was playing the game, I found that the character was, too much of a stereotype of of an elusive man that just gives you information kind of akin to the smoking man in the X-Files kind of thing. And so I found it a little bit harder to relate to the character because of that. Whereas now having read this, were I to play Mass Effect 2 again, I know for a fact that I would be able to get a lot more out of it. And on top of that, I would be able to relate to the character even more because partially because I now understand more of what happened to him and why he is who he is versus when you play the game and you don't have that backstory it's much easier to see him as an iconic evil character or you know what I mean with this I I, I see I I think that it was a good blend of 
this part of his life and how he had to deal with the Turians as well as Saren, which I really loved seeing Saren in there. I think that's important. And it really led well then into Mass Effect 1. So I think that the way that it was handled and the... The division of, not division of duties, but division of attention, say, over the the four issues, I see, I thought it was actually really well spaced out to allow both of them. I, I don't think that it was, I think that had they spent all of their time just on the elusive man, then it would be far easier to see it as, okay, this is his series and basically how... Everybody else who's affected is secondary, if that, to him. It's not going to be nearly as important. Whereas this, you really got to appreciate the depth and breadth of what was happening to the Turians based on the effect of the artifact that they found and how it was, how it had the potential to cause a, a, a huge epidemic for Turians. You know what I mean? And then you see... You also got to see a side of Saren that you did not get to see in Mass Effect 1. And I like that. Again, it, it provided so much more to the story that whether you're playing 1 or 2, again, you're really going to feel for the characters a lot more and see see them in a much fuller... Um, uh, um, how do I want to see this? Their character development is much fuller. Yeah. I, again, I, I think what a lot of it comes down to me for is marketing uh when bioware was really talking about this series they really put it out there as this is this is the origin of the elusive man this is the origin of the elusive man so when i picked it up i again i'm not disappointed with the comic itself i thought it was fantastic and the shift it had away from just being centered on the elusive man to the more galactic scale i thought it was great i i loved every scene with the turians i also loved every scene with jack just for me i don't know i felt that in the comic, he was portrayed almost a little too altruistically for my tastes. Like, I, th- I think they didn't get enough of his gray area that we see from the elusive man in the games in there. So, again, I, I can't complain about the series itself. I-, I can't say anything bad about it. Just for me, the elusive man side of the story didn't click as well as the rest of it. Hmm. Is it because they didn't do enough of the backstory on him as well? I, I just think it was so much of the focused on this one aspect and then the last couple pages is when we finally see him become the elusive man. I kind of would have liked to see a little more of the early days of Cerberus and him building up his whole network and some of the harder decisions he had to make and, and really advancing humanity. That's what I would have liked to have seen in a story. But that's something that they can pick up on if they want in another miniseries as well. Yeah, they can. I, I It's just... From what I was expecting and what I wanted to what I got, there was a difference. Not a bad difference, but a difference. See, I kind of went into it just wanting a good Mass Effect story and because that universe is so delivered. Yeah. unbelievably rich that you can have, well, as we've seen, a multitude of miniseries on it. And I wanted to see something that was about the... Um, some of the origin of the elusive man and i and i believe it delivered that it didn't give you cerberus you know it didn't except for the very very tail end it gives you a hint of what is is going to happen which we of course all know if you've played the game i think that had they included the the stuff with cerberus then it wouldn't have been able to span across just four issues it would have needed a lot more than that yeah, I mean, for the story it wanted to tell, it told it well. I, again, I, I can't say anything bad about it. I just wanted something different. That's all. Right. Okay. Well, there you go. I It's it's two different opinions here, but if you are going to, if you're interested in it at all, if you're interested in the Mass Effect universe at all, then I strongly recommend reading it, as I think you would as well. Even though it didn't hold up to what you would have wanted it to be, like you said, too, you can appreciate that it it was a damn good four-part miniseries. Absolutely. And I love the artwork. The artwork was fantastic. I thought those Turians they, looked awesome. <laughs> they, it was great. Between the the um, we got the arts by Omar Francia, Francia, and who's that? Manuel Manuel Silvia Silva. They've got the weird font here. The Mass Effect. Font. 
font for everything. <laughs> and the story is by, by Mac Walters. Who names her kid Mac? I love that. So it is, again, it's very, very good. The one, one gripe that I would have about it would be Eva, zip up that it. damn freaking <laughs> shirt. God, why? Come on. Yeah, I'm going to keep ranting about this whenever they do this and say, you know what? You've got an older audience to give me a break. So, but that was it. The artwork, other than that, I thought was fantastic. The colors, especially with the Turian Sue, like what I'm showing on the screen right now. We've got some great artwork on all of the characters. I thought it was, it was fantastic. Absolutely. Okay, so you ready to move on to the Worgans then? Hey, you're the host. Are you ready? I am ready. Well, I could kind of talk about this for a while longer, but I think we've covered <laughs> enough. I know you know. I'm just saying. I I'll thought... deliver an hour-long episode if you want. Nah, that's all right. Okay, so let's talk about then the World of Warcraft, the Curse of the Worgen miniseries. And that sucker ran for five issues. And once again, we have a, a game tie-in that I feel really really delivered i oh, yeah. god i love this now we both have at times played world of warcraft right from the beginning many over six years ago now and we both played the game as well once it was released uh, once the expansion was released for cataclysm where you could play the war again you played your mainly you you had a lock the the worgen lock mm -hmm. okay and of course you obviously played through all of the Gilneas starting quests. Of course. Yeah. And then I made a multitude of different characters so that I could mess around quite a few times in that area just because it was, I feel, again, having played the game since freaking beta, I feel the Gilneas starting area was by far the most amazing starting area out of all of the ones they've done, and I'm including the Death Knight starting area, which at the time was freaking awesome. But this here just had so much power when you were looking at everything going on lore-wise. And that's something, again, that people can rant and rave and complain and bitch about World of Warcraft and whatnot, but you have to appreciate the lore that's behind everything in that game. And the lore that they've got for Gilneas is especially powerful. Now, what I found was cool, though, is that in so much as you get a lot of information doing the starter quests if you plan on playing a, a worgen, it was nothing compared to this five-part series. <laughs> it was like, you're finding out stuff and you're sitting back going, what? I Where was that? Where the, <laughs> that, I, that wasn't even a footnote. Nobody even made a reference to that. And it's awesome. And they didn't put it in the game. Like, again, when you're finding out stuff about the actual origin of the worgen race... I kind of thought that it was in the game a little bit, but I found it out. It was hinted at, you know. Even if, then, <laughs> even then, it was nothing compared. Like when you're finding out the stuff and you're reading, it was just gripping. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, when, when it was playing out, I mean, you see like over the first like three issues or so, the the origin story uh, of the war again, you're like, oh, cool. Oh, OK, that's nifty. And then this things start popping up that you remember from the game, like the Scythe of a Loon, which was such an incredibly minor part of a quest line in um, I think it was Ashenvale is where it was. It was and like if you didn't trip over the quest, you never knew it was there. I think I leveled four characters through Ashenvale before I even knew about the quest to begin with. So it's one of those cool things where, okay, things started tying into the game a little more, a little more. And then by issue four, it was starting to line up exactly with the plot line from that Gilnean starting area. And it was just the way it built the story and the climax, this was so freaking cool. Like after reading this now, I would go back to that Gilnean starting area. And I'd start poking around in corners looking to see if any of this stuff was actually in there. <laughs> well, case in point, after reading this, I see I canceled my uh, my subscription in February. I haven't played since then. And then I, of course, got the email saying, hey, here's a week for you if you want for free. <laughs> and so after reading this, I thought I want to poke in and just do that starter Gilneas area again just to to see different things and to see them differently and to see also 
if there are hints that you otherwise wouldn't have picked up on. And so I actually did that last night and I was chatting with Joe while I was doing it and I was having a blast. It was unbelievable what you pick up on that otherwise would have been just something that, you know, in passing, it's like, oh, you don't need to register that or care about it. But just something very minute, some little detail here and there that you pick up on and go, wow, there is so much more history behind this than you can appreciate. And you have to read this comic series in order to get it. And like you said, too, the pacing of it was brilliant to, to, to get you to care about the Gilnean people, to, to get you to care about the main character that's going to be taking you through this journey for, and he's through all of them. And then to get introduced slowly to the big players. And some of it is kind of hidden who you can and cannot trust, who you should and should not trust. And it's handled in such a way, I'm going to give credit here to the writer. We're looking at uh, Mickey Nelson, Nielsen and James Waugh. Wow, wow, we're gonna say wow. Um, I am so impressed with their writing, the dialogue's fantastic. When you are switching between the Gilnean people and then going over to the battle with the night elves, and then the bouncing between time was so well handled and could have been screwed up. I mean, we've seen wild books yeah. where they were screwed up. It wasn't here. You cared about the people so much. And then as those two plot lines slowly started to converge, it was this crescendo that just kept building and building and building. And when it finally does erupt and you start to recognize the points that you have played through in the game, suddenly you're much more invested because you're already invested in the characters because it was so well handled. And then if you played the game, which for me, it was when the earthquakes first started happening in the comic. Mm-hmm. And it took me literally a couple of minutes where I'm going, oh, an earthquake. And then it clued in going, oh, dude, it's cataclysm. It's the earthquake. <laughs> you pack up your and run right now. Bad things is coming. And but it was that moment where I, I really then felt that complete immersion. And I was sucked into this story. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I can't give it enough credit. And like, it just feeling that when they get to the parts you're like i played through this exact thing like i would be disappointed going back to the game now especially after seeing how well it played out here it's like okay we've seen that they can craft a good story here in the comic now take everything you did here and make a game out of that so this is this is where both of the mediums can really start driving the franchise forward like okay world of warcraft set up you know the basic plot line and the comic expands upon it now they have to take that expanded story and the action and really that great feeling that the comic gave you and then translate that into the next generation of games i think that would be a huge huge move for blizzard to be able to take all these different types of media they've been using over the few years and fuse it all together into something that will really be special down the road i i think that I completely agree with what you're saying. I think that what I would like to see that is much easier would be a much easier implementation for them would be if, again, a lot of these things, there is a ton of lore, obviously, in World of Warcraft. There's a ton of quests that you can do if you're there's a lot of quests that you can read through and whatnot and and play through and, and have a lot of fun, especially with the new stuff that's been introduced. There's even more depth and whatnot. However, it does not take long before you progress through all of that. And then you're you're left with if you want to follow through on the really cool stuff, you're then having to do a lot of the end game stuff, which not everybody wants to do. I would like to see it where they would take stories like this even just the backstories, different things like that. I know they implemented a lot of this, obviously, with with Gilneas, but they could do some of the backstories here that are would not be as hard for them to implement as side quests that you can do going back in time or whatever. It's not like they haven't done that. And then you would basically have this fantastic opportunity to take part in the lore, this, this incredibly rich lore, without having to do it at, level 85 in raid level gear you know what i mean mm-hmm. yes yeah, so there's so much there to work with they they can do more than what they are doing now 
Yeah. I, I don't want this to become a gaming podcast. Obviously, we're not going down <laughs> that road again. Um, but I think it's important Yet. because they, hey, 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 um, because <laughs> of because of what they've done here and I know that you can look at it in and of itself without ever having played the game and you can absolutely lose yourself in this and absolutely love every minute of it. So I I can appreciate that they should be able to have it completely separate, same as the books and whatnot, some of them being fantastic, that you can just see them as their own entity. It's just that when you're looking at the potential and especially because it's a, a visual medium where you can see the way that things were plotted and, and the way that they were handled and thinking, I would love to play that. I, w- <laughs> I would love to be that guy right there that's doing this and have to work through that quest. It would be really quite cool. Now, looking at the story-wise, of course, it follows the um, the inspector as he is turned into a worgen. And then you're getting the behind the scenes then of what is happening with the the wargans in that present time frame, which is just prior to when Cataclysm is about to hit and things go really bad for everybody. And you're also getting the backstory of the actual the actual origin of the the race and how it began as a druidic form which I love. (laughs) Druids have always been my mains since retail day one. I mean, I've kind of had a lot of fun with playing shamans as well. And I've played some other classes, but I've always been druid player. So anytime that they're going to take stories and give druids a strong part of the, the, the what dictates the story I'm all for that because there's so much potential there too with uh, with the druids and so finding out that you know the worgen form and the wolf form were actually forms that they were told not to use because they're just too dangerous and it grew from there I thought that was just it it, it, sh- it just really shot me back because I had not seen that in the game anywhere. I don't even know if that is in the game anywhere. I I have seen very little, if any, information for that. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of, again, it was one of those things where it was, it was so well handled, too, because you're feeling all of the pressure from the the elder druids and then you are you're you're understanding they're they're them not wanting to be um using this form because they are just too dangerous and then them deciding that they're going to do it anyways because they don't have any choice so i thought that was really again you're feeling the strife you're um you're 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 actually understanding more of the the reasons for what's going on here and how it progressed and how it got so bad and not just that all of a sudden they're there because that's what they'd always been in the game we're we're Mm -hmm. just in different zones and there you go who who knows where they started there's actually so many conflicting uh uh, lower points on the worgen they became very confusing for a while you had you had aragol off in um wherever the the silver pine forest or whatever it is you had the 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 loon quest i talked about you had the ones raiding the mines in uh, duskwood they were just so disjointed it was just like hmm we need an enemy for this worgens but put in worgens they're they're pretty cool so seeing all this disjointed plot line come together that was a huge 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 thing for me yeah and then also when you're seeing what's going on with with Greymane, you're seeing a whole different side of Greymane that you did not really see oh, yeah. in the game. And now in the game, I went out of my way to be paying particular attention to Greymane, especially, I mean, because you know what's going to happen. And then especially if you've played through it more than once, which again, I played through it quite a few times, then you're kind of trying to pick up little hints here and there. And there, there really isn't, any uh, that i could see so here when you are seeing it the, the foreshadowing comes very early so it's not spoiling it for anybody you know he's a freaking worgen but he's holding it back through a variety of means not the least of which being the help from the night elves which again 
I didn't see that in the game. And it could have easily been there to make the experience that much more rewarding and, and in-depth. So when you're seeing the all of the stuff with Greymane, which there's a lot, it really hits home a lot harder and, and, and gives you a whole different appreciation of what's going on with that city because the leader is such a huge part of that. Yeah, and it's like you said, playing through it, it's when you're in the starting area, it's just like, oh, suddenly night elves are here and oh, suddenly Greymane's a worgen. Like there was nothing setting that up. It was just a big boom. There it is. So the way that they established it here, like I said, like I'm saying, if they can take the storytelling aspects of what they're doing here in the comics and better integrate that into the game, because playing through the, the starting area was just like, oh, OK, I guess that's how we're, how it's happening. And then actually retroactively seeing everything like i said it's kind of hurt my 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 feelings towards the game like i'm like it could be done so much better why didn't they do it like that it this comic was so good it's it's actually making me like the game less <laughs> okay well that's an interesting take on it i actually like i said i went back in i played it i and i did enjoy it and i think that part of it was that i I felt that much closer to the characters and to everything that was going on in the strikes because I had more of the background story. I now understood so much more of yours, uh, of what was going on. So I, 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 for me, it was the flip side of what you experienced because I did actually enjoy it more. I thought it was quite cool. Sadly, it then ended far too soon. And then you are, like you said, having to stumble across quests in order to 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 appreciate those little tidbits of lore that otherwise could have been there you know what i mean mm -hmm. it's just again not not wanting to get into the gaming discussion the way the the franchise has gone in recent years with it being more about the content than the story supporting the content they try but yeah, they they have so many subscribers that they have to keep happy that I think it's great that they're choosing to, to use comics and books and whatnot to explore and expand that lore instead of just being cheap cash-ins like so many other franchises have done over the years. So I'm really happy to see that they're taking the bits of story they were able to put in the game and expanding upon it. And I just love this comic so much. Like, like, like I said, I wish there was more of this in the actual game. Yeah, yeah. But you know what, though, now that it is done and it has come out, the, the potential is there that they'll look at the success of it and what people thought about it and be more willing to actually put stuff into the game that is based on this. Whenever they're working on patches or whatever, it's not difficult for them to insert. Well, I shouldn't say not difficult, but they have the means, obviously, to be able to put in different aspects of what we have seen here. And, and you're right, like there, there's so much stuff here that I would like to see. There's so much stuff here that I'm interested to know whether or not it was actually part of the established lore and they just kind of ran with it. Or if they were allowed to play with the canon somewhat to put in what they wanted to. I know that Blizzard likes to have a, a tight rein on what goes into their games and into the lore in the, the, the books and into the comic books, but... I'm curious just how much um, leeway Mickey and James here had. So moving away from that, though, we also I want to mention the art Ludo Lullaby, <laughs> Lullaby, a great name. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and Tony Washington, who has worked with Ginny here on some stuff, which is kind of cool. Anyways, oh. it the artwork in this five part series is just freaking brilliant and the coloring is insane the coloring just shoots off of the page like when you're looking at especially the night elves with all their freaking funky colors that they like to have first night elf with purple hair i actually like but yeah no the the artwork was wow just fantastic and the mood they were able to set in Gilneas with the, the you know the darker tones, and then it made the the switching back and forth between the two settings that much more impactful. And it was like oh boom, you know suddenly full of life, and then you know you're back in the dark city. It, oh, it was so great, and every character model was just perfect. Like Night Elf's perfect. Like the guy with the hat and the glasses from the cutscene in the game, he was like straight out of the game onto the page. It was so fantastic. And Greymane just looked badass. Yeah. I mean, freak. <laughs> he looked fantastic. 
<laughs> and uh, and also they did a great job with Godfrey as well. And they mm-hmm. really, the writers really made you hate him in the game. <laughs> you kind of dislike him, but yeah, it's not that bad. Hell, in the trailer, I actually liked him. But then in the game, you find out a few things. It's like, okay, you're not quite as cool as I thought you were. But then in the comics, it's like, oh my god, I would have <laughs> kicked him. I'd have kicked him off. You're not jumping off the hill, buddy. I'm going <laughs> to kick your ass off of here. But uh, yeah, no, the artwork was just fantastic throughout so yeah kudos to the guys and if for anybody who's interested in it too a it, it's not expensive it's like 2.99 an issue and they are actually longer than the average comic book so it's taking you a little bit longer to read these there's quite a bit of dialogue but it never runs dry there's always a ton of tension and when when you're getting these alpha prime moments here with the master worgen dude it is it's well written well done you can feel the suspense the the on the page so yeah definitely make sure to pick it out yeah i'd say this is possibly the best world of warcraft story i've ever read and that's putting it up against a lot of the books too yeah and you know what i i would tend to agree i like i absolutely loved um arthas i i enjoyed the pre prelude to preclude to cataclysm but not as much as arthas and but this here i don't know it's something that i can see myself reading again a few times just to pick up a few more little things throughout but then on top of that it does make me appreciate the game so if you are a player which <laughs> you know 12 million of you are so Not if anymore. you're a player yeah well damn <laughs> close you're it, despite what he says i say it does make you appreciate anything that has to do with the worgen and galenius a, a hell of a lot more okay so, so what go ahead uh, no go ahead no, 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 i'm gonna have a drink of my wine go ahead it's just it doesn't reduce my appreciation for it in the game it just reduces my appreciation for your expectation how 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 the stories are told in the game let's face it it's six years old there's only so much they can do with it without having to you know reboot and try over again and we've seen games since then implement the stories in new and interesting ways and that's what this comic was for me it was taking that story and showing it in a new interesting way for me yeah, and I'm certainly not going to disagree. I've said the same thing about WoW for a number of years, so there you go. Okay, moving back now to comics away from games, we're going to touch on Uncanny X-Force because this is one that, I mean, you've been freaking going ballistic about it since it came <laughs> out. We talked about the first issue. I think we only talked about the first one. We didn't cover it yeah, anymore after. I yeah, think that it was, was only it. the first one. and. They're up to nine now. So I'll let you actually tackle. We'll, we'll start with the first story arc that uh, was kind of hinted on in that first one, which we discussed, and then let you talk about where it went to from there. Yeah, so it started off with a four-issue story arc called The Apocalypse Solution, which was the X-Force, Wolverine, Archangel, Deadpool, Psylocke, and Phantom X, basically going to kill Apocalypse after he's been resurrected. And it was just a really cool story. It introduced a lot of new characters, which is something we really haven't seen much of from the X-Men franchise lately. And not just new characters, interesting characters, characters I really hope we see more of in the future. And it just told a really great story. I mean, X-Force is one of those franchises that can very easily devolve into just cliché. Uh, we've seen it with the previous iteration. It was Wolverine and friends go kill everybody. Uh, before that, it involved Cable, and I don't like to talk about him. <laughs> but for what they did here, I really have to give Remender credit for the grasp he seems to have on each of the characters. When it first went together, I was like, oh, okay, they took five of the most, well, four of the most popular characters, threw them into a comic and said, let's make some fun out of it. But then seeing, reading interviews with Rick Remender and getting a feeling for where he wanted the story to go and the roles each individual character was going to play in that, I was really on board with it. And I really enjoyed the apocalypse solution, especially when it got to the end. I mean, that ending was pretty freaking like unexpected. And I enjoyed apocalypse solution and going past apocalypse solution. I actually gained more respect for the title, but we'll get into that later. Um, 
What do you I, think? I enjoyed it too, and I thought that it was well written, simply because in that one story arc, which was your first story arc in a new series, that one story arc defined all of the major characters. Mm-hmm. And not just define them in a way that is, you know, the the stupid have to show flashbacks or or talk about who they are. And we saw that with Age of X, you know, where they have to kind of reintroduce people that you already know and things like that. No, what it did is it introduced them by their actions. I mean, when Phantom X shoots him and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a kid at this point. Yeah. And they're all arguing about whether or not they can change him or things like that even just that anybody who's going to argue that no we can change him helps define who that person is as a character and what their limits are in terms of what they're willing to do to get a job done and that's what this group is all supposed to be about getting the job done that nobody else wants to do so in just this little story arc you get to know each of the characters each of their limitations and what they're willing to do to get the job done. And I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. And then moving beyond that into the second storyline, Deathlock Nation, this is where the series really took off for me. And I will have to say over the course of Deathlock Nation, I have multiple times called X-Force the best superhero book on the shelves right now. And I'm not going to change that statement yet because again the character development the depth that one scene they showed with uh deadpool wolverine and archangel i loved that you know as somebody who's i don't want to say a fan of deadpool but i've been following him for years that little scene there with the three of them that's the most character development he's had in 10 15 years so just seeing remeter is taking this one character that has basically just become you know the fill-in character from Marvel. Oh, we need more sales. Put Deadpool in the book. Oh, okay, sure. And seeing that he actually wants to do something with the character and not just the name, that was important to me. And then the whole Deathlock Nation storyline they set up with um, the the cyborg assassin versions coming of the heroes coming from the future. Great character designs, great fight scenes. Phantom X was totally cool in every scene he was in and then again you get to the end of the story and they have this huge revelation and I, I i was shocked at the way it ended and then when i was actually going back through issue nine or not issue nine issue seven uh because i was reviewing it for one of my vidcasts and reading it again knowing how it ended it was a completely different issue and then not just that when you take the ending of Deathlock Nation and then go back to everything that happened in the Apocalypse Solution, it throws a whole completely different twist on the storyline. And it shows that Reminder not just has good stories in mind, has a real plan for the structure of where this comic is going from beginning to end. You can see the structure quite easily with every single story arc because the same thing that happened in that first story arc in terms of, again, defining all of your characters, whenever there's any changes to those characters as well, it happens within those story arcs and it's well, it it really helps define those characters over those story arcs so and then it also he does a fantastic job like you were saying of showing the relationship of those characters because i don't know i'm finding that this team is far more defined as a team and each of the relationships to each other than you see in x-men in avengers in any other series right now potentially i don't know that i'd say for sure but that the relationships are very important and we especially got to see that in the last issue as well and he and so yeah he's doing a, a fantastic job of defining the characters how they relate to each other and how what they're doing is affecting each one of them yeah and it's i really can't praise this title enough if you haven't been reading it definitely check it out i mean like I said, it's such a it's a concept that has gone wrong so many times before. And just seeing the way that he's taking the characters and still telling these big action stories, but giving each character enough of a moment in each issue, let alone each storyline, that it really comes through. And I'm just really impressed with how he's handled it, especially characters like Psylocke 
Archangel, Phantom X, characters that nothing has really happened with them over the last few years. I mean, they're still fan favorites, but they haven't gone anywhere. And he's taken them and really doing something with them, which I really appreciate. Well, Phantom X, actually, I had not seen much of anywhere. Now, seemed... he, he's popped around for a couple of years. He's never exactly. been forefront. So I think that what they're doing with that character, especially because you are seeing some origin information kind of coming through and more information. And once again, it being very well handled in terms of making you care about the character and see how he relates to the team and how he fits in. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm really digging it. I'm, I'm enjoying the artwork as well. It's not my favorite overall, but I mean, I'm, I'm, it has a nice style. It has very nice style. I like it. If anything, it's the colors that I'm not always crazy about. They really, lots of pinks and purples, like lots of lots <laughs> of pinks and purples all over the place. I mean, look at this. And But I like what he's doing with some of the characters where the male characters aren't these steroid-induced hulks of characters. I mean, when you look at Wolverine in most comic books, he is monstrous. He's supposed to be a little dude. And yeah, stocky, but... Nothing compared to what you see in a lot of comics. They go nuts with him. You're seeing shots of him in here where, I mean, you could pass him in the street and not know that he's some freaking superhero dude. Like he's he's a normal size. And I like that. And you're seeing that with a lot of the characters. You don't care. Yeah, I'm just letting you. <laughs> oh, see, this is why we didn't have a chat room before. Because... Yeah. Somebody kind of loses their cool and starts chatting on there and doesn't pay attention to what I'm saying. It's hard enough to keep your freaking attention. Okay, what did you think about the point one for this? It was a 5.1. As a standalone issue, I loved it. I thought it was a great issue. Um, finally showing, tying the X-Force back in with the the core X-Men team of Psylocke having to infiltrate the island and yet still remain unnoticed. My only problem with it was it came out at a really stupid time. It should have come out as, let's say, 4.1, not as 5.1, because if you picked up the point one issues at, oh, OK, this is where I'm supposed to start reading. And then you read issue six without having read issue five. It was honestly worthless. So it's, it's again, Marvel's goofy timing with the point one stuff. A lot of the point one issues themselves have been really good. They just haven't been coming out on a very reasonable publishing schedule. But, I mean, come on. Death, Lady Deathstrike, the Reavers, Psylocke hacking dudes up. It was awesome. I thought it was really good, too. I just, I didn't think that, like you said, it didn't fit in between, kind of sandwiched into that story. It did it, it didn't work, but in and of itself was a ton of fun. It was, it was a lot of, fun. It, it, how cool. It's always cool to see something going through Wolverine's face, the claws going <laughs> right through his cheeks. I mean, how can that not be full of wind? Yeah, and then the two little one shot issues we've had since Deathlock Nation with issues eight and nine, those were both really good as well. Yeah. Showing that not only can he tell a great three or four issue story, he can pack a lot of story into one issue, especially the one with Magneto. I mean, that one that one panel of Magneto where he looks like he's about to start crying, like I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Actually, and I was going to touch on that and then we'll we'll end. But, yeah, the especially the last issue I thought was. Again, I, I don't want to keep saying brilliant because then it's going to make it sound like we're a little too fanboyish about it. I'm but a fanboy. The, well, I'm not. See, that's the thing. <laughs> so it, I thought it was a brilliant writing job because you're getting some of the, the original X-Men. You're getting some of those characters at the beginning with Namor, my my nemesis. I hate him. But, uh, but I love <laughs> him being told to shut up. That just was awesome. Suddenly, Nemesis is my favorite. Dude, if you can tell Namor to shut up and just go away, I love you. Um, but I love the way it was handled. And what we, we saw as well is that he can pace a story without having to just rely on dialogue. We've got pages, pages where there's absolutely nothing written and you're just seeing characters and you're reading so much of what is going on because of the power of the art. Now, granted, that being said, I wasn't as crazy 
about the art in this last issue as I was in the other ones. But anyway, moving on. But yeah, no, the, the writing in that issue where Magneto is asking Wolverine to take care of a former Nazi who would have been someone who put him through hell back in the day kind of thing. And... And Wolverine's the one that does that for him. And it's this huge act of friendship between the two and of respect as well. And it was really very well written. I loved it. And what's funny is I've actually uh, seen a few reviews for this issue on the Internet. People hated this issue. Like, I don't know what people want in a good comic these days when Superboy gets five stars and this gets one. <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've made my point clear about what I think about Superboy. Yeah. No, I thought it was great. Again, I didn't, I wasn't crazy about the artwork. Some of it was quite good. I mean, when you're looking at the picture, especially of Wolverine here and, and Magneto and yeah some of it was quite good but some of it i certainly did not like as much but you the the writing was fantastic the writing was just great in terms of appreciating the again the relationship between the characters and now they've kind of branched off a little bit also to show the relationship with the actual x-men as well and even something as simple as this plaque that he has over top of his sword to remind him of you know, who he is and what it is that he has to do. Little nuances like that I thought was was just fantastic. So no, great issue. Definitely worth reading if you are interested in X-Force. Okay, moving away from there now, we're just going to touch on the new releases for the week. And there's actually quite a few of them, so I'm going to rip through them fast because we've already gone a little over schedule here. We've got uh, New Avengers number 12, Captain America, another omnibus, which we're going to be getting several of these now that are starting to crop up. There's a Flash one that's going to be coming out in a little while as well. But this one is Captain America. We've got Dark Wolverine number nine. If you're actually still interested yeah. in this crap, there it is. The Daredevil Reborn miniseries is ending with number four. We've got Fear Itself, Youth and Revolt number one. We've got FF number three, which I still haven't read two. I, I read mm-hmm. one. I still haven't read two, so... Uh, it, it, it didn't hook me enough that I cared to actually make sure to read the next ones. So okay. Journey into Mystery three or 623, and that's a fear tie-in. We've got Amazing Spider-Man 660. We've got a lot of Spider-Man stuff coming out, too. we got a couple of trade paperbacks. There's Extremist and Hobgoblin Lives. And then there's Spider-Man Matter of Life and Death, and that's a hardcover. Then we've got Astonishing X-Men 37, New Mutants 25, X-Men 11, and X-Men Legacy 248 some some really good x-men titles coming out yeah a lot of stuff coming out of that age of x looking forward to it yeah and then on the dc side we got tons of flash and batman we got the tie-in for arkham city so we got batman arkham city the first in the five-part miniseries i will do it i'm getting that and i'm hoping <laughs> to hell that my comic book dude puts the variant cover aside for me i oh and then we got all new Batman, the Brave and the Bold, number seven, uh, Batman Incorporated, number six, the trade paperback for Streets of Gotham, and that's Hush Money. DC Comics presents Flash number one. We've got Flash number 12, which is a Flashpoint tie-in. And then we've got the first Flashpoint number one. So if you're interested in the Flashpoints, which, I mean, that Flashpoint is going to be one hell of a story covering a multitude of <laughs> different... <laughs> I'd you... love to see the checklist for that. <laughs> I've got it. See, listen, <laughs> that's the checklist, dude. I've got it. There's a lot here. Granted, it's nowhere near a brightest day, which I've started reading all that because, again, I was waiting till it was done, and now there's like a 115 issues when you start tying what? in all the tie-ins and everything and the preload to it there's a ton so next week when we're talking about brightest day which little hint what we're talking about next week folks dude i will be prepared i will have my brightest day crap down to a i'll know everything more than me <laughs> apparently yeah i might not know anything about the other topics we're covering but brightest day i'm your man all right other than that we've also got which ah one of our favorites now chew number 27 i can't wait because i'm loving where he's taking the story right now but we just read issue 18 no way what is that yeah. oh that's a typo then that must be a typo no he's actually releasing issue 27 
as a flash forward issue to show where the story is going. And then next month is issue 19. <laughs> okay. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Even That's more great. reason. I love that. Okay. I've been scouting all of the back issues to buy them all. I've got a bunch of them. I'm still missing. I think about four or five. That's all. And then my collection will be complete and I will never miss a chew issue. Dude. I love that stuff. We've also got a new Hellboy being human and irredeemable trade paperback volume six. You still loving that series too? It's very fascinating. Uh, Mark Wade is just brilliant writer. Okay, so we're going to end with that, folks. Thanks, everybody who joined us in the live audience. We appreciate you guys coming out. Everybody else, make sure to check the show notes at comicbookinformer.com. You can follow us on Twitter at CBinformer. And also, if you have any questions or whatever, you can shoot us an email, either myself or Vince or Roger at comicbookinformer.com or Vince at comicbookinformer.com. And that's going to wrap it up. We will talk to you guys next week when Vince will be back behind the wheel. And the episode won't be an hour long. It, no, it's not an hour. No, no. No, may well, close, but not quite. <laughs> I told you we were going to go over. I knew it. As soon as I saw you added in Curse of the Worgen, I was like, oh, we're done. <laughs> And then I was thinking, wow, we should really do Curse of the War again. And then I read it. And I was like, screw that crap. We're doing it. Definitely. We're definitely putting it in. We have to. Can you imagine if we would have brought Joe in? <laughs> Dude, we'll see you next Wednesday. <laughs> we'll still be broadcasting. <laughs> okay. So that's like, I'm giving the old man a break. You don't have to read this crap. Okay. So I'm sure but that's the one that, that you said was good, though. Yes, it is. So we'll talk about the, the crap. We'll talk about the bad crap and then I'll read right. the good stuff is what you're saying. We can either read the Green Lantern story or you can read the Booster Gold story. Which one well, do you want? I already. Oh, you know, well, if you're going to say it like that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Not as good as this. Actually, it's better. The screen's no. bigger. That doesn't make it better. <laughs> talk to your girlfriend. It's been a while since I read The War of Light, like a mm -hmm. good long while. And some of that I kind of buried and, and <laughs> repressed. <laughs> <laughs> you know how hard it is to read 115 issues when you know so the ending is going to be crap? Read 24 of them. Yeah, I may do that. We'll see. We'll see. The library is closing. <laughs> Tart, you're such a hobo. That's did you did, did you bring a ham sandwich with you? To, <laughs> while you were listening? <laughs> yeah, she, she got a few bucks on the way in she's gonna buy one on the way home <laughs> all right you good to go i'm good i got my glass of wine which we should apparently talk about if we're gonna yeah. be cool we should talk about what it is that we're drinking today i am having a refrigerated day before <laughs> tap water so. <laughs> And at length, too. Like, really, at, <laughs> if there's an ice cube, I want to know the dimensions is what I'm saying. <laughs> there was a couple that I listened to today that were like that. It's like, who the hell cares what you're drinking? Just talk about your freaking podcast. Yeah. All right. All right. Hello and welcome to Comic Book Informer. Hello and welcome to Comic Book Informer. Hello and welcome. Do not say for the lore. <laughs> <laughs> like like i don't think i'm gonna get much chance to say anything anyway oh that's harsh that's not true not true <laughs> don't be that way you're the one that wanted to do freaking x-force yeah sure so see see on my episode i even gave you something something that you don't do and look at freaking joe once again oh yeah i'll be there even though we're late i mean that doesn't change the fact that he should have been here at seven and he's not and oh yeah yeah I, I can have those things read the wow stuff you know just in case bastard doesn't show up anyway good thing I wasn't actually banking on it and he's not even on aim to yell at he's not this is what I'm saying he's been like freaking <laughs> gone all day it's like you son of a bitch <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.